Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are Jill's Journals Out Loud. And I'm recording this Thursday, July July 12th, January 12th, 2023. See, it's so warm out, I'm not even aware that it's wintertime. And I am not exactly sure when this is going to upload because... Uh, I have had a drastic reduction in the terrible cell coverage that I was experiencing to it being almost impossible to download or upload. So I just wanted to get this out, and so I will share it when it will go. Uh, Just as a sidebar, I did make it into town, and I did try the library, but their internet is super slow, too. So I do not have decent access to watch anything on video, to download anything, uh, and uploading of any uh, significance, and uploading is uh, difficult. So while I like most of what is going on about where I'm parked right now, uh, connecting with you online in a digital way is becoming a little more difficult. So with that deep breath, and that's just part of what's real. Uh, I was observing that what's aggravating me the most is this struggle I'm having with technology uh, as I live in a way that is super anti-technological, but at the same time, I'm getting a lot of benefit from being out here in the middle of nowhere by myself, which is, you know, ideas and information I want to share, but my capacity to share them is becoming drastically reduced with the exception of good old-fashioned pen to paper. Uh, And one of the things that I really wanted to cover is this idea of Uh, violence and the wired for danger warrior or way of solving problems, setting boundaries, putting in limits with violence. And in so many ways, that's just who we are. Uh, There is such, I've talked a lot about, you know, the chemical and uh, immediate process, the acceleration of zero to 100 and how that is a violence that goes on within us that allows us to be uh, excessive in force, excessive in push in a very short amount of time and a way that is uh, to protect, right? And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about it because I am feeling vulnerable uh, as I'm in a situation where uh, I think there is one other guy living out here. I didn't, I haven't talked to him. I've seen him twice at a distance, but uh, he doesn't even look this way, so I'm pretty sure he has no interest in uh, speaking, and I'm thinking it's probably just for the best, because uh, that's why we come out into the middle of nowhere, right? But uh, the longer I, I'm here, the more reconnaissance, I guess I can say, I do, which is uh, calming me down, uh, because yesterday morning, I was out uh, at 5 a.m., taking the dog and myself out, and I heard footsteps, and you can hear footsteps because uh, there's so much rock on the ground that there's no sneaking up. Uh, You know, in the same way, most of it is undrivable. There's some roadways, but the majority of the land you can't drive over. Uh, You can walk over, but there's no sneaking around unless you're super stealth and in some kind of soft-footed shoe wear, which in my case... 
I would imagine for everybody would be a lot of grunting because the rocks are very sharp in some ways, the lava rocks. And so I got really freaked out, right? And I jumped in the car and I locked it up and I turned the lights off and I just sat and listened because uh, I knew if anybody was walking this way, I would hear them approach, and I don't think anybody else is here, but I don't know who shows up at night, and I also know that I'm out at 5 a.m., so maybe somebody else has a dog that they're taking out at 5 a.m. So I sat for a little while with the, uh, you know, being very quiet, turning everything off, just listening, and I didn't hear anything, and at some point I thought, well, you know, there's, I'm I'm not stealthy. I'm sitting out here in my truck, and even though I have window coverings. You can see when the lights are on, but I don't want to just sit here in the dark till the sun comes up. So I went ahead and resumed the normal morning routine of, uh, you know, heating the water up, getting cleaned up, making coffee, uh, writing in my journal, thinking about big stuff. And, uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about violence because I'm hearing people speak more and more to violence as a way to solve the problems out and about. And uh, I was thinking how it's been much of our way in the past is how we solve our problems, but it doesn't solve our problems. It usually just creates more problems that may get pushed down the road, right? Family feuds that started centuries ago because somebody killed somebody, uh, even hurt somebody's feelings, right? Uh, How much of our violence really at a historical level is just the perpetuation of whatever that original issue was way back when. Because there are some people that just hold on or they're bred into it, right? You're raised with this idea that this is your enemy and that you need to kill them uh, as a way to keep them back. And what violence really is, is if you think about it, is just a way to establish a boundary and a limit. It's a way to say no. And what's happening for so many of us right now is we are getting pushed at by people who are not push wired for danger people. They are pause and running away people, but they have power, perceived power. And so they're pushing their boundary out, out, out. You will do this. You will stay in your house. You will give up your rights. You will accept uh, all of these things that we are being forced to accept. And we are not saying no. And so Those of us who don't like to be pushed at, especially when we feel our own boundaries being violated, are getting more and more frustrated. And at some point, we push back. And that's when war starts. You know, that's when you can't take it anymore. And there's a very intentional process about that at the highest levels, right? There's a manipulation of the the information and a pushing of the boundaries to try to trigger violence. And, you know, there's an intellectual understanding about that. Oh, no, I, I get it. I won't do it. But, you know, there comes a point where what do you do? And, you know, I'm feeling that way here. Well, I'm by myself. If something gets up to the door of the truck and it's between... Uh, protecting me and the dog or 
prescribing to a spiritual idea of no violence, what am I going to do? And, you know, I have my own answers in the way I sort all that out. And I don't talk about it because it's so much more complex than just a simple statement. Do this, don't do that. But the reality is, is it's all about the push energy, right? And violence is just a very physically extreme version of push. And it usually happens. Impulsive violence usually happens when you can't take it anymore. When that flood happens, it's when you lash out and you hit the dog or you slap the kid or you slap your wife or you kick the can or you do these little things because you can't stop yourself. And then it will escalate if you really don't understand your own process. Then it becomes an all-out fight. Then it becomes murder. Then it becomes a rage that you just can't stop. And so what they teach in anger management is how to, tr- to observe the trigger before it escalates. Because you can, it's very difficult to stop that push rage energy midstream. It takes a lot of focus. It's possible, but there's all kinds of other factors involved that we like to pretend don't exist. You know, traumatic brain injury, uh, just chemicals and chemical imbalances, uh, influence of drugs and alcohol, uh, just the straw that broke the camel's back. And for those of you who get it, who understand what that flood of rage is like, you understand that there's almost nothing that can stop it once it gets triggered and that there's a lot of things that allow it to rush forward. I, I'm using that word trigger and someone pointed out why that's a bad word to use in relationship to this process. But uh, I don't know what it is. It's just sort of there's a there's a moment that you can't stop it and the flood opens up and how anyone or anything in your path feels some version of it, even if it's not a physical hit. Uh, it's an energetic push that you can give off with a look, with a movement, with a word, or with a defensive weapon. And so as I was kind of thinking about this morning, how, uh, you know, one of my favorite examples is the little mom, right, that's four foot eight and has the the six sons that are all over six feet, and all she has to do is look at them and she can keep them in check. Uh, That's not real violence-induced boundaries. That's an energetic boundary that has been established over time. But it's the ability to understand that at an energetic level, we can say no. It doesn't have to be physical until, you know, there are there are some instances where you just don't have a choice. Now, how you get to that instance is a different discussion. And I'm not talking about When you get there, I'm talking about this idea of understanding our push is really a way that we establish boundaries and limits and that not everybody in society has the capacity to push to establish boundaries and limits to say no. And that when culture and society stops having their own boundaries and they start retreating 
through pause and pulling back of running away, eventually things get to a point where the push people can't take it anymore. And that's when war breaks out. That's when violence breaks out because nobody said no before it was too late. And we see that in parenting, right? If you don't Uh, you know, developmentally, you know, if you haven't established good boundaries with your child by age two, you're in for a lifelong battle. When I was working the crisis hotline, I would get people all the time that would call up, you know, when their kid was 18 or 17 years old, 11 months and two weeks, and they'd have like two weeks left on their insurance because in the old days, insurance stopped at 18. Uh, and they wanted to send them to the hot psych hospital to fix them because they'd lost control of their kid. And, you know, I'd have to explain that, you know, two weeks in a mental health hospital isn't going to fix that problem. Uh, you know, that isn't what they wanted to hear. They just wanted to turf it off to somebody else. And it's hard to maintain boundaries that are healthy, that aren't violent, uh, when you don't aren't comfortable with saying no, when you're not comfortable with resistance, when you don't like it when your kid fights back. Uh, you know, I'm having a really th- interesting thing with the dog where it's all play until I hurt her feelings. And I and I say that and there's just I can see the difference where she doesn't understand my no, you know, my boundary with her until it's a, it to me it feels too much but she sort of her energy just collapses now she recovers from it so she's not you know mortally wounded as you know forever but i don't like it but she doesn't hear the no until it's uncomfortable on my side and her side. But the bigger issue is, you know, running out to the street, right? Doing something that will be worse for all of us. And so I have to be comfortable with saying no in a way that she responds to. And it really, it's not a physical no, it's an energetic no with her. I don't hit her you know, in terms of beating her into submission. What what I noticed is my tone and my energy change and she gets it and she retracts from that. And so uh, we have to be really careful, you know, with, with young children because it's so much different for those of us who have strong push uh, and have a short fuse to that strong push and how much damage we can do. But I've also learned that, you know, you can push so much and so hard energetically on someone that they will never recover from it. We've all had that experience where we've been pushed at to a point where uh, we will never let our defenses down with that person ever again, or maybe with life in general. And it isn't about the other person. It's about our own relationship with our energy and what we let affect us. So someone can push at us physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and we can feel like our boundary has been violated in a way that is unbearable. Uh, and that's our work is to move forward and how we reestablish that boundary in a healthy way without being stupid, right? Without walking back out into the middle of the street and wondering why the car hit us. Uh, and to me, that's what personal safety and self-defense is, right? It's not about 
the need to hurt anybody that comes my way. It's about the understanding of how do I practically establish a perimeter, a boundary, a safety process so that I feel comfortable, right, versus uh, being stupid, right, and moving into the middle of a space where uh, you're just asking for trouble, right? You have to be willing to take responsibility for both sides. But I really wanted to just sort of emphasize this push because I'm hearing more and more speaking to violence as the solution. Uh, and in the long term, it is not a solution. It never solves a problem. It temporarily stops the issue, but you can never achieve peace with violence because the minute you hurt me or you take something from me in a violent way, that's a wound that, that travels forward in time. That can be a trans, uh, inter- it can be an international wound. It can be a, t- a wound that surpasses uh, one lifetime, right? Generational wound is the one I want to see. You know, you can do certain things. We're seeing that with countries now, right now going to war because they have generational wounds to the violence that was perpetrated, whether the violence was starvation, uh, whether it was physical war, whether it was uh, humiliation and subjugation. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It's all a very violent attack to a boundary by a push energy that was not resisted. And so it created increased amount of victimization, which is the pause and the running away energy, right? The collapsing into yourself. And the scarier things get, the more difficult the consequences of pushing back become, the less people are willing to do it, except for those of us who get to a point where we can't take it anymore and we push back. And see, that's like worst case scenario. That's a complete lack of understanding who we are and how the world operates and how people operate and how systems operate. It's the the idea that if I just give in to this one temper tantrum when my child is one and a half, uh, I'll deal with it next time or I don't feel like it or I'm too tired. Well, you continuously not deal with it and that child keeps pushing the boundary, pushing the boundary, pushing the boundary. Now, if you have a collapse, if you have a pause or a running away child, you're not going to get the lesson as effectively as if you have a push child. So the more you don't establish clear boundaries with a push child, you're going to get an escalation. And then that's going to look like conduct disorder or oppositional defiance, or we call it ADHD, or we call it the bad seed or the black sheep, right? Because they won't follow the rules. They won't calm down. The gift would be to teach that child how to harness that energy in a positive way. But As society becomes, quote unquote, more civilized, translation, domesticated, the the average person gets less and less comfortable with that push energy. And so we punish it or we dismiss it or we now we medicate it uh, or we ostracize it or we condemn it or we put you in jail because we don't want to deal with you. And the people who pull the strings like that because without the push people, they have the ability to, to, to forward their agenda without resistance. 
But the people who forward the agenda are not push people. They're pause and running away people. They are people who are weak and terrified of resistance, but they can't deal with it face or head to head, they hire people or they create other people to do it for them. If you got face to face with a guy like Klaus Schwab, or there's this new guy, I don't can't pronounce his name, Hararo something or other. He's this little skinny, sad, pathetic nerd guy who is thinking he's in charge of re-engineering the human being. Uh, You may have heard his Noah Harari, I think it is. Uh, And his ideas, what's fascinating to me is if you listen to the words, they make sense, but it's the intention and the meaning and who's pulling the strings. Uh, And that's our BS meter. That's do we want to accept responsibility for who we are or do we want to give it to an external power or force so that it will take care of us and we will be safe and comfortable. Uh, so we're we're getting to a point where it's getting uh, more and more difficult for those who are push people to put up with uh, being pushed at. And at some point, someone somewhere is going to pop. Uh, I saw an article uh, in New Mexico, where uh, there's a man, they think it's the same guy, uh, six Democrats' houses have been shot at. Uh, these are the people who are going to push back because they're so frustrated they don't know what to do with it. They're going to snap. Uh, and for those who understand what that flood of adrenaline does to you, it does not make you rational unless you're highly, highly trained and efficient. And most of us aren't. Most of us just want to live our life. But when somebody keeps telling us no and taking away what we need to live, taking away food, taking away shelter, splitting up families, uh, creating intentional harm, there comes a point that we can't take it anymore. And so when you can step back and look away from how this all affects us at an individual level, what our personal issues are, uh, when you step away, you can see it's the same thing that's happening at the macro level. It's what are you culturally going to say no to? What are you culturally going to accept? Uh, and the people who are push people throughout history have been the ones that will try to eventually step up and set boundaries. It could take days. It could take years. It could take decades. I think about, you know, in Spain and parts of Europe, uh, when the the Muslims, the Moors invaded, it took 700 years to push them back out. Uh, and so it isn't something that's easily accomplished when you let it happen and go on for too long. So the longer, as you know, with kids, right, the longer you wait to teach boundaries and limits with children, the more difficult it's going to be. And, you know, depending on what the individual experiences meant, between parent and child. It's very different, you know, than culturally, but we don't know what the lesson is. We don't know what we're here to learn, but we can know, we can understand that it's all at its essence, a very simple process with an endless amount of um, details, complexities, and scenarios So it's not about solving the specific scenario and then you're done. It's about understanding the energy behind it and that establishing a boundary and a limit uh, 
is an energetic process of push-pull-pause, not physical or violence. And that's very difficult uh, to think about when you've lived in both extremes. You've lived in a highly defended world or you've lived in a world, you know, that's very tribal and doesn't feel like it has boundaries. You know, I when I read some of these histor- histories and people always say, oh, this is the worst time in history. And you read about what some of the things that people did to other human upon human is so unimaginable that this stuff would happen. And it was culturally accepted. You just all participated. And it's so scary. It's amazing to me that anybody pushed out into the to the wild and the frontier because uh, you know, I get one of those stories and it would be all over. Uh, same thing like with the crucifixion, right? There's nothing I can't think of a whole lot of things that would be worse than that. Uh, and it was happening on a daily basis. And people still held their beliefs. They still resisted. They still moved forward. And that's that push energy. It's not about what's right or what's true. It's about what you believe and how you're wired and what you do with your energy. And so when you have more push people that believe a specific thing, they are going to probably win, for lack of a better word, over the the other ideas, not because they're right, but because they have more energy around it. And if you are uncomfortable with energy coming at you, if you're a pause, uh, pull person, right? The stronger the energy comes at you, the more you're going to run away. And if you are a push person, you might think about the ideas more, but there always comes a moment where you just can't take it anymore. You know, we quit a job, we walk out of a relationship, we uh, just stomp off because we can't take it anymore. And we're edging ever, ever closer to this line where somebody's going to do something and then it's going to be all over for all of us because we waited too long collectively to just say no. Now, it's interesting what's happening right now in the American Congress. So we'll see what happens. But there's a tiny group of Republicans who are trying to exert their push. We'll see if it's all, you know, political play for power or if it has any teeth in it. Uh, But politics isn't the solution. It's not the answer to this energetic issue. It's a reflection of what's happening at the bigger level. Uh, It's not about we can sit here and just observe. We are contributing to the overall energy of what's happening politically. So the politics is just a representation of what the majority of us are doing. Are we pushing? Are we pulling back? Are we pausing and disassociating? Uh, And it's difficult to understand this because it, really translate and there's no super fast easy solution you you know energy at a big level at a collective level does not move quickly and when you are a push person and you're on a hair trigger right it takes almost nothing for you to push your energy out it's difficult to understand and remember and relate to the fact that the big cultural energy is very slow Uh, It's moving faster. You know, time is kind of speeding up in that way. But you don't just immediately 
lunge into war. There's all kinds of things that are being built up. There was a general who spoke uh, recently, I think it was a general, how he's over, or they over, are over in Japan establishing the Asia war that will be coming. In the same way, he said, as they've been over in Ukraine for a long time, uh, some say 2014 or maybe longer before that, establishing the field for war in Ukraine. Uh, Most of us think of it as just something that happens, and it never just happens. It's always a long established process. It's just we're not aware of it, right? We got other things to do. We got kids to raise and dogs to walk and food to make and jobs to go to and houses to clean and, you know, all these little things that take up so much of our time and energy. But here's the big secret. How you engage in all those little tiny things with your daily energy is really what's contributing to the big soup of energy that we're all in. We just tend to think of it as two separate things. And so all of your capacity to say no, set boundaries and limits, it's about your personal experience, but it's also contributing to the bigger picture. So when I talk about violence and the wired for danger human There's your personal experience, and then there's the collective and how you will be functional in the collective if things go too far. You know, I just feel like right now the Wired for Danger person is poised to play a prominent role, for better or for worse, because we are push. And right now, there's a tremendous amount of push at us. What we do in response to that will really set the tone for which future we move into, both individually and collectively, and that it isn't about making the other person do something so that we're okay. It's about who we are in this process itself, and We can't control the bigger picture. We just have to understand that we're contributing to it. And then, you know, like I said the other day, uh, just making the decision and then making peace with that's what we're deciding for ourselves, whether it's to pull out and, you know, retreat physically, but be very actively energetically or to be very active in it physically, like being in the military, Uh, I forgot to lead with this, right? So uh, the picture today is black helicopter. Apparently, you know, they take the weekend off because as of Monday, uh, I am in the flight path, apparently, of everything coming out of the Yuma Proving Grounds. And so I'm so aware, like, as there's helicopters and fighter jets, my little phone can't really take a good picture, and great big cargo planes, you know, going back and forth, back and forth, all these different uh, these guys and girls are all in their 20s, right? And they're training to be part of the fighting force, right? They're all push, whether they're actually wired that way or not. Most of them probably are, especially the helicopter and the fighter pilot people, right? You have to have a bit of an adrenaline junkie component to want to do that kind of thing. And so they're young, right? They're all fire and push. And it's really as you get older that you understand the restraint of that energy because, you know, young men think they're right about everything. Young women now think they're right about everything. And they often and quickly resort to violence to push at as a way to solve that problem. And it's usually the older people 
that will keep that restrained. For those of you who are not familiar and are interested in this as a generational issue, uh, I listened again to a newer interview of Neil Howe and the Fourth Turning. Uh, if you you can look that up, he's starting to do. Uh, interviews again because he's writing a book. Uh, And the fourth turning is basically four stages, uh, about 20, 25 years each, that span across four lifetimes. And one of the things he was talking about is how Generation X, uh, who are in their uh, late 40s and 50s right now, have not stepped up into leadership positions. It's mostly the older, older people, right, that are still running things. And so, it's time. It's time for the younger uh, 40, 50, 60-year-olds to move into positions of leadership uh, and the baby boomers to move out because the, the young ones coming up don't relate to the way things have been done. And so they're going to fight against it. So it's really, we're in a huge generational turning right now. In America, he really... Uh, does the it's more of an American cycle. I'm not sure how it applies at a global level, uh, but it's really interesting. So Neil Howe, the fourth turning, uh, he's been doing interviews. If you're interested in kind of the inter- intergenerational uh, archetype processes. So anyways, all right. Well, I just wanted to get that out, not because we have any fabulous solutions around that. Uh, I'm not sure again when this will upload. So we're just doing it day by day here. I can see the sun is finally coming up and how uh, all of these ideas aren't going to massively change your life on a day-to-day basis. But what I'm really hoping to do is plant seeds in both the ethers and in you, because it may be tomorrow, it may be 10 years, it may be never, that we start to see some of these things and our way to be within them that makes sense to us. But it's a never-ending process of learning about our own push-pull-pause and how we move in the world. But for those of us who are more push than not, uh, we have a lot of challenges that we're coming face to face with. And I think that violence needs to be a conversation that we have with ourselves. Like, at what point are we going to engage in violence? At what point in the process are we going to make peace with that? You know, and my line has always kind of been, it's one thing to have that conversation about yourself Uh, It's another to have that conversation about who it is you're responsible for. And, you know, I think about if somebody is pushing at me, uh, when it starts to affect the dog is when I tend to get my, or anybody or anything that's innocent, really, in my mind, my hackles tend to go up uh, way more than it does for me personally, because I still have that thing ingrained in me that says I need to protect what is vulnerable. I need to protect what is innocent and with what I'm responsible for. And I'm responsible for the dog. And, you know, if I'm a parent, I'm responsible for young children. There's a different conversation that we might be having in our head about what that level of violence is. Uh, And at the same time, and I'll talk about this probably another day, as I'm getting more fragile and vulnerable physically, which I'm not excited about, it's a different conversation because I didn't used to be afraid physically. I felt like I could hold my own, but I am more and more aware of that I can't and how that's changing this conversation for me in my head. 
Uh, so I just wanted to share that, just something to start thinking about, because we're edging ever closer to when the day it's going to pop. Uh, not everywhere all at once. I'm sure it will be more of a regional issue, depending on where you are physically. And depending on where you live, it might be something you're dealing with on a daily basis right now. I don't know. But it's definitely uh, a reality as we move closer uh, you know, to this point where those of us who don't like to be pushed at, somebody's going to have a breaking point that's going to impact many of us. It's going to be, you know, the shot heard around the world. At some point, we're going to have a Concord moment. Uh, and so I always feel like it's good to kind of think these things through. And this is me thinking these things through because uh, I, oh, I didn't tell you what the footsteps were. So anyways, I got up in the morning and I decided to go to high ground. So I climbed as high as I could. Uh, I didn't see anybody else here. And the only other place to look was the, the trees. I posted that picture of the tree. There's all these trees along the waterway. And I have a little kind of lake that's a little tiny uh, pond, I guess, that's, that went under the road from the Colorado River. And there's only one access point that I've been able to find. So I went over and I was looking at, you know, for any kind of prints. And of course, all I found was mine. Would be really smart to mark your boots or your shoes with a personalized uh, way to, to identify it's your footprint. So I just kind of did it by size. But that what there was is a whole lot of footprints that were hoof marks. So I kind of went, duh, right? So it's a deer or whatever is around here. That's their water source. And, you know, they're most active right before dawn. So that's most likely what I heard was the animals walking towards the water or an animal walking towards the water to get something to drink. So I didn't see, I went ahead and searched, you know, around the area uh, in the, the tree things, which is both creepy and fascinating. I, I need to take a picture. I've never seen trees like this where they're like shaggy pine trees, but they grow horizontally as much as they grow vertically. It's bizarre. A perfect little uh, tree fort cover-up area under there. Uh, but not just me, everybody else. That's where the trash is. So I think that's all it was. So that was me uh, doing my own reconnaissance, and now I could relax a little bit more because I did finally climb up high enough and see if there's anybody physically here and now I have a better lay of the land and entry points and where anybody could come from. So with that, uh, that is my update. I hope you're having a fabulous day that you'll have a good weekend. And with that, my friends, I will see you next time.